All right, welcome back. I had the uh, great pleasure after I became pastor to start to figure out, as I showed a list of missionaries <clears throat> earlier, how you know how do we figure out who we're going to support as a church? And, and you know, of course, missions to me is is super important. My daughter's involved in missions. And uh, just to tell this little story, I've probably told it before, you've probably heard it, but um, I was on my way out to a missions conference, <clears throat> which Calvary Chapel holds each January out at uh, the Murrieta Conference Center. And as I was headed on a plane out there by myself, just praying, you know, Lord, you've got to, you know, show me, you know, about missions. I want to broaden my own understanding and exposure to missions, but I also want to meet some missionaries that potentially we could begin to support as a church and to pray for. So my daughter Rachel had attended Calvary Chapel Bible College, which we have global campuses, and she ended up attending a campus in uh, Hungary, Vita Hungary, and there uh, Melanie's mother ended up being Rachel's kind of women's discipleship person, and I had heard about um, her mom, Pam, uh, but as I'm sitting on this plane, I connected from Manchester to Detroit. I get on the flight in Detroit, <clears throat> I sit down, and the flight takes off, and I just happen to look over, and this lady sitting beside me opens her Bible. And I thought, well, this is, this is cool. You kind of look for a good experience when you fly, right? So we began to talk, and guess who it is? It's Pam. And so we talked the whole flight out. And uh, then I ended up meeting other members of, of her family, Melanie being one, and Melanie and Paul coming in contact with them. At that point in time, they were serving, I believe, in Kyrgyzstan. Um, so the Lord kind of brought us together, and we've had this relationship now for a number of years. And uh, whenever Paul shares uh, video updates, we always play them here so that we can uh, stay up to date with what's happening. So today is an opportunity for us to be connected to a work that the Holy Spirit's doing in Amman, Jordan. So I want to invite Paul to come up and uh, share what's going on and thank Melanie so much for leading us in worship this morning. So would you give a warm lighthouse welcome to Paul as he comes up. All right. Thank you. Yeah, well, it is uh, good to be with you. And um, we are uh, thankful and privileged that we can partner with you guys in uh, spreading the gospel, you know, in the Middle East, and uh, specifically where we are in, uh, in Jordan. And um, I think for us, kind of, uh, you know, we really value uh, relationships. Uh, you know, we have spent all, many years overseas, and one of the things that we've learned from some of the cultures that we've lived in is the the value of, you know, deep relationships with people and connections and and we, uh, we're thankful for those things. And I think for, you know, we feel connected to you guys probably mostly because <clears throat> about uh, 11 years ago, we were back here. We actually had to, to fly back, uh, um, I guess you would call urgently, because our son had a serious uh, heart condition. He was born with uh, Tetralogy of Fallot, so pretty serious and the country we were living in they they said if he stays here he'll die so we you know end up flying back here and we you know we're from uh, Vermont you know so there's not a lot of uh, facilities up there so we ended up down at Boston Children's uh, so he could have you know open heart surgery uh, he was three months old I think 
But, you know, Dean and his wife were, uh, they visited us several times uh, down there in the hospital, and it was, you know, it was very encouraging, you, you know, that relationship and that time that he took to come down and, uh, you know, you can't really help in that situation, right? But when you're there with people and they're, they're, they're just there, uh, it's very meaningful. So we're very thankful for that, you know, and that's meant a lot, and we've never forgotten that uh, over the years. So that, I think, uh, there's a little bit of a unique kind of special connection that we feel with you guys uh, because of that, and we've had the privilege over the years. We usually end up coming back about every two years uh, for a bit. We always uh, try and make it down here uh, to see you all. So thank you for your prayers and your uh, support, you know, of our family, of the ministry over there. Um, I'm going to give just a quick little like overview of what we're doing. Um, I would encourage you, if you're interested, to talk to Melanie or myself afterward. You know, a lot of the details of what we do, we can't really talk about, um, you know, publicly. You know, so when things are online or even when we send updates, you know, we have to be pretty sensitive about a lot of what we're doing. Uh, but we are more than willing to, to talk about that, you know, uh, on an individual level and, and personally. So I would encourage you to come up and ask, you know, questions and we can share a little bit more. But we're in Amman, Jordan, and about four, we've been there for about seven years now. <laughs> it's gone by quick. But about four years ago, we, you know, we planted, you know, a church. You know, it took us a few years to learn Arabic and the culture and and things like that. We ministered alongside some of the, the Arabic, uh, you know, the Jordanian churches, learning from them. And then we launched out, you know, into a neighborhood uh, in the city that's a pretty challenging neighborhood. Uh, you know, pretty much the whole city's unreached, but like it was a very highly unreached area uh, of the city to, you know, to plant uh, this church. And so, you know, we've been involved in a lot of different things uh, over the years. Uh, there's a lot of refugees in Jordan from Iraq and from uh, Syria predominantly, and then we also have from Yemen, and then there's a lot of, you know, Egyptians that come up to work. Uh, so a lot of different kinds of people, Jordanians, Palestinians, you know, 80% of Jordan is Palestinian. So we have a, a lot of Palestinian uh, people that we that we work with. And... Uh, so we, you know, we've planted this church, and as the Lord has, you know, been saving people, you know, our goal is to um, continue to preach the gospel, to equip people in the church, but it's really, I would say, the overriding kind of like long-term goal is to prepare leadership, right, in the church, so that when uh, they're at a point that they can lead, you know, they've matured in the faith, uh, you know, we, we leave and we go to the next place, you know, to plant uh, another church. So that's kind of like the, the thrust or kind of like the long-term goal, right? There's all the other stuff that you do all the time, but just, you know, so you guys know that's what we're shooting for. Um, and, uh, you know, but we also just live our lives kind of like normal, you know, people. Melanie, she works full-time. She's a second-grade teacher in a, one of the Jordanian schools over there. All our kids go to that that school uh, that she teaches in. And uh, Timothy, you know, our son over here, he has autism, so he goes to a special uh, center uh, there for him. So we have all these kind of connections with the community uh, and whatnot. 
just kind of living our lives with people, right? And uh, seeking to, you know, reach them through our lives, through our words uh, and whatnot. And then, uh, of course, I'm, you know, focused mainly on uh, a lot of the ways that we reach people is actually through visiting them because it's very normal. So we, we spend a lot of time in people's homes, sitting with them, drinking tea and coffee and just sharing the Lord and sharing our lives. So that's a quick two-minute overview of, of what we're doing. But again, I would, we love, you know, talking with you individually. So if you have questions or, or anything, please uh, feel free to, to come up afterwards. It's great that there's, sounds like we're going to have an opportunity to, you know, sit and eat. So we look forward to that. But um, today, as far as, uh, you know, kind of what's on my heart to share, uh, I want to talk a little bit with you about you and I as, you know, the church and the people of God and our identity. And, uh, you know, a funny story uh, happened to me about two years ago. It was actually at that missions conference that... uh, that Dean was talking about this. Uh, I was out there, and uh, they had invited me to speak. So I had flown in. Actually, it was a year ago. I guess it was right before everything was shut down by COVID. And so <clears throat> I uh, I had flown over from Jordan. Okay, so there was like a big time difference the night before, and then the next morning, you know, I'm supposed to share, and. Uh, you have to understand that most of my uh, like speaking and ministry has always been in a, a language other than English. So for the last 20 years, like all of my Bible teaching, everything I do in church is not in English. So, you know, it, it's a little bit of a, like, um, a change for me, you know, when I come back, especially initially. Like, I mean, I was born here in America and I grew up here, you know, but... Um, when you've spent that much, you know, time not necessarily speaking your native language, you know, when you come back to your native country, it, it takes a little bit of time, like, to, to catch back on and switch over. So, so I just, and then, you know, I was jet lagging, super tired. And uh, so anyways, I share, you know, and then this, you know, sweet lady comes up afterwards and she said, oh, thank you so much for sharing. You know, we really appreciate everything. And I just want to comment that your English is really good. You speak English really well, you know? And I thought, you know, because you guys know, that's what someone says to you when they think you're, you know, you're not speaking your native language. So I thought, what is happening? Like, this lady thinks that I'm not a native English speaker. And that's my, like, my native language, <laughs> And I thought, like, who, you know, who am I? Like, where am I from? Like, I'm back in my home country, and people from my home country don't even know that I'm from here, you know? And uh, so it just got me kind of thinking about our identity, right, as, the, as followers of Jesus, as, as, as the church. Um, and, you know, this, there's a lot of things that contribute to this. As I mentioned, you know, when I graduated from high school— <laughs> Uh, back in 2001, I, I left, you know, here, America. I, I'm from White River Junction, Vermont. I left, and uh, I never came back. I haven't lived in, in America since. And so we've lived uh, 
predominantly in Kyrgyzstan and in, um, in Jordan now, but we've lived kind of shorter times in other, in other countries. And it's interesting because what happens is when you live in these countries, obviously people, you know, they, do, they don't really see you as from there, right? You're, you're a foreigner, right? You're not, you're not from there. Even though maybe you've lived there like for many years and in, in, and in many things you, you can identify with them, right? They still see you as an outsider, right, from somewhere else. But then what happens is when you come back to where you're from, like you realize that, man, I, I, I don't really feel at home here in a lot of ways. Like I really, there's a lot of things that, uh, like I, I feel out of place, you know, even in, 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 in my own, like, home birth <laughs> country, you know. And so what happens, like I was saying, is you start thinking, like, man, where, where do I belong? Like, where is my home? Where is my place? Who am I? And I think, actually, for you and I, those are super, super important questions that we need to be asking ourselves. No matter you've lived in the, you know, the town that you were born in your whole life, or maybe you've, yeah, you've traveled around or different places, but as believers in Jesus, when you made that decision to follow Jesus, there is a fundamental change that took place of who we are, who we are. And uh, it's interesting, you know, when you, look at, when you look at the scriptures, you know, and you look at um, the kind of like overall themes, right? Sometimes you have these big themes that you see uh, in scripture, you know, these like mega themes. One of those themes that we see is, is that identity of, of, of those who are, are Jesus followers, right? And what we see is that from the beginning all the way, right, until the end of scripture, we see that, that God is like gathering people to himself, right? Do we see that? I mean, you could even say that it started in the Garden of Eden when God created man. Really, the main purpose for him creating uh, humanity was so what? They could be his people, right? So that they could be in fellowship with one another. They can enjoy each other's fellowship, relationship. We know that sin entered and it, it disrupted that original purpose, right? But ever since then, God has been, what, reaching out and calling people back, right, to himself. And the purpose that we see is so that he could have a people of God, right? And that's like the theme that we see running through all of Scripture, is that God wants a people for himself. And those people, their identity, that's what, it, that's what it should be. That should be the predominant thing that marks their lives, is that they are his people, the people of God. Um, if you look in 1 Peter chapter 2, this is kind of the main verse I want to like just think about. And uh, just consider, share some thoughts about. But in verse in First Peter chapter two, we read in in verses nine and ten. It says, "You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood." Right? He's speaking to believers, a holy nation, 
a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You know, some translations will say, once you didn't have an identity. Once you didn't really have an identity. But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So it's really interesting, right? It's really interesting that right here, God is saying that as, you know, those who have believed in Jesus, Jesus followers, that what? They're his people. Once we weren't a people, now we've become God's people. So, you know, the thing that you and I need to think about is who am I? What is my identity? What is my identity? Uh, you know, you could say, well, my last name, you know, like I'm a Billings. That's, that's who I am. Or, you know, you could say I'm from, you know, uh, Vermont. I'm a Vermonter. You know, there's, I don't know if you guys know Vermonters, but a lot of them have a lot of pride about, you know, being from Vermont. Or New England, right? Like there's some, there's some kind of like, uh, pride if you're like a New Englander, you know, that people like to uh, identify with. Um, some people identify themselves by their political party, right? I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, I'm independent, you know. Uh, others identify by race or I, by ethnicity, right? I'm, I'm Native American or I'm black or I'm Asian or I'm, you know, uh, Middle Eastern. You know, there's a lot of ways right, that we can identify ourselves by. And those aren't wrong things. I'm not saying that to, to, to have an identity from those things is wrong. But once you and I choose to follow Jesus, there's something that overrides all of that. There's something that becomes the predominant identity, something that should take first place in our lives in everything. And all of those other identifying factors fall underneath that, right? And sometimes it it takes time to work out how that all fits together. But we have to recognize that we predominantly, primarily, we are God's people. And that is what should, uh, that's what our identity should be. It's very interesting, you know, when we, we live overseas, and obviously, you know, everybody sees us as American, right? Because that's what uh, our passports say. And it can be, it can be interesting because uh, sometimes that's a good thing. <laughs> sometimes that's a very challenging thing. Uh, you know, when I lived in Kyrgyzstan, we had this neighbor. He was an older, an older gentleman. And he grew up, right, during the time when America... And at that time, Kyrgyzstan was part of the Soviet Union, right? So maybe some of you younger people don't know what I'm talking about. The older people would. But, you know, America and the Soviet Union, they were at war, basically. And there was a lot of hatred, a lot of, like, fear of one another. So this guy was kind of still stuck in that era. And he was my neighbor. And so he hated me. You know, he didn't know me, but he hated me because I was American. And when he would see me, he would, he would literally tell me, he said, I want to punch your face in. That's how, that's, how, that's how he would, like, that's all he would say to me. Um, because I was an American, right? That's how he saw me. Now, in the Middle East, uh, 
you know, as an American, it also can be very complicated. Um, I mean, even recently, right, just the last few days, you guys have been reading, right, what's happening in Afghanistan, and the Taliban has almost completely retaken uh, the country after years and years of, you know, just war. And, you know, like, so a lot of the people that we're trying to reach, you know, when they see us as an American, it can be a little bit challenging, a little bit difficult, because our nationality, right, and our government represents something that is very uh, negative and even aggressive, you know, and hostile for them. So um, the point I'm trying to make is that if I were to identify, right, primarily as an American, it would seriously, seriously hinder our ability to reach people with the gospel, to reach people for the sake of God's kingdom. So my identity, right, or my nationality, if that becomes the primary, uh, primary thing that identifies me, I could actually become a hindrance for someone entering the kingdom of God. And that's pretty serious. Like for me, I take the Bible pretty seriously. Like I take the gospel pretty serious. And like that's a problem. That's a problem. So where do, what do I do? Do I say, well, that guy doesn't matter? That's his own problem. If he can't get over my opinions and uh, what I, then that's his own problem. That's not really what I see in the gospel that a believer should be marked by. I see believers, I see Jesus, I see the Apostle Paul actually giving up a lot, giving up even rights that they have. The Son of God, right? He had the right to remain in that place of glory. (laughs) No one's going to question that. But he gave that up to come down, right? So that people might enter into his kingdom. The Apostle Paul, he said, you know, I will give up anything, any of these rights that I have so that some might be saved. So I'm like, I'm at an impasse in my faith, right? I can't hold on to certain things that maybe I've identified myself by while at the same time, calling myself a follower of Jesus, you know. And uh, so what we've learned is that we have to really um, go back to, well, who am I? So yeah, you see me as an American, okay. But you know what, really, really, yeah, that's where I was born. I didn't really choose that. I don't know about you guys. Maybe one of you chose to, you know, where you were born. But I didn't have that choice, right? Nobody does. So that's where I'm born. That's the passport I have. But you know what? This is who I am. I'm a follower of Jesus, and my people are the people of God. And the problems that you have with, with me, right, my identity, actually, you don't really have those problems because I'm, God, I'm, I'm, I'm part of God's kingdom. And this is what God's kingdom is, and this is what identifies me. And it, man, you know what? It takes down all of these barriers, so many barriers. It takes down all of these, um, what would you say? Like, uh, like, it takes a lot of the resistance down, you know? And I'm talking about, like, nationality, right? Things like that. But I, as you think about it, and you think deeply about it, I, I, I bet that you will be challenged about maybe some of the opinions that you have. 
maybe even some of the convictions that you've held on to, if you are willing to reevaluate those in the light of being God's people, right? What matters to God's kingdom and how God sees the lost, those who are outside of his kingdom, some of those things might be changed a little bit. And you might realize that a lot of the things that maybe hinder you from reaching people will be taken away. So our primary identity is that we are the people of God, you know? We're the people of God. And I love, I love that. You know, I love that I don't have to defend, and I'm talking in my own context, okay? I I love that I don't have to defend the American government when I'm living in the Middle East. I don't, you know? I don't have to defend who the president is and his foreign policy. I don't. I can very simply focus on God's kingdom, you know? Because that's what matters. That's who I am. That's my primary. Do I, do I think about those things? Do I have opinions about those things? Sure, sure. But guess what? That, the opinions I have, if it becomes between a soul being saved for eternity and me propagating an opinion, it's, the decision is not hard for me. <laughs> my opinion kind of goes out the window, you know. So things that, and the reason I'm sharing that, uh, and I hope that you guys are maybe connecting some dots and making some applications, because I think that you here in the United States, you're going coming into uh, or you're facing some of those questions, you know. There's things that are becoming harder for the church to hold on to that maybe aren't gospel so that the church can reach the lost. Um, and I, you know, I see that with my own, my own kids, you know. So we have two 15-year-olds, 13-year-old, and 11-year-old. So they're, you know, the older ones are just kind of getting into that age where they're thinking about the world and worldviews and some of what uh, Dean was talking about, you know, when, you know, you start getting into that age of, like, high school, university, and you're coming into contact with different ideologies and all that. And, you know, it, it can be challenging. It can be challenging. But I think that if we, uh, you know, and this is what we try to do, is, you know, we're preparing our kids to be followers of Jesus. We want them to identify as the people of God, first and foremost. Uh, and how that, how that looks in the world today. You know, very challenging uh, questions. I don't want to get off... On, uh, on separate uh, things. But um, what should distinguish us, right, as the people of God? What should it be that distinguishes us? Uh, there's an interesting story in Exodus when, if you remember, I'm sure you remember the story if you, you know, are familiar with some of the Old Testament, when Moses, you know, and the children of Israel, they leave, right, Egypt, they're freed from Egypt, and they're going, they go to Mount Sinai and, and God, you know, calls Moses up on the mountain. He gives him the Ten Commandments. And if you remember during this like scene, as he's up there, the people, remember, are down at the bottom and they're kind of nervous because Moses is gone. He's been gone for a long time. And so they make this golden calf, right? You remember that story? 
and they start to worship this golden calf. And of course, this is a problem. And there's this dialogue that happens between God and Moses. And it's interesting because, you know, God is talking about, like, forsaking this people. He's like, they're hard-necked, they're stubborn, they're, you know, worshiping other gods. And, you know, I'm just... But Moses says something that's so interesting. I think it's in chapter 32. He says, if you leave us, we will no longer be a people. Your presence, what he's saying is your presence with us is what distinguishes us as a people. It's the Spirit of God. And that should be the thing that should distinguish us, right? I'm talking about our identity as God's people. So you think, well, what does that look like? Well, the primary thing seems to be from the scriptures is that God's presence is, is dwelling with us. He's with us. His presence. Uh, and so, you know, I start thinking about, well, uh, what does that look like? What does that mean that God's presence is with us? And, uh, you know, probably you're like me. You start thinking of, of different, you know, scriptures and whatnot. And, and obviously one of the things that pops in my head is like, well, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, right? The, like, the predominant kind of like fruit there is love. So we should be marked by love as the people of God. Okay, we should be marked by love. Uh, another one that's interesting, it says that where the Spirit of God is, in 2 Corinthians, there's freedom, right? Freedom. So you and I, the people of God, should be marked by freedom. Now, freedom is a very interesting one for me. Because as I mentioned, I was born in America and I was raised as an American. And freedom, right? Would you say that freedom is like a, uh, an essential, what would we call that, um, I don't know if we'd call it a value of Americans, right? Like freedom's a big deal, right, for, 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 for Americans. Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, we believe that America stands for freedom. Now, the, the thing that I've really struggled with over the years is defining freedom. <laughs> because as a follower of Jesus, when I look at God's definition of freedom— as a follower of Jesus, it's a little bit different than the definition that I was raised on. Uh, because what um, the biblical definition of freedom seems to be is that I'm free from myself. All right? Where the American definition of freedom, in some ways, okay, I'm being very general here. <laughs> It seems to be I'm free to do whatever I want. Like I, self is the focus of my freedom. Um, so again, if we go back to like the Apostle Paul, like his, how he worked that out in his life was that he was free to give his life for the sake of others. Right? Isn't that crazy? Like, that kind of idea of freedom, like self-sacrifice, laying your life down for the sake of someone else, that is freedom. That's a little bit different than my understanding of freedom that I grew up with. 
So being free, the evidence, right? The distinguishing factor of me as a follower of Jesus, us as God's people should be that we're free to put anything aside, anything, even our rights, Paul says, even our rights. For what? But there's a purpose for the sake of someone knowing Jesus. That's kind of crazy. That's actually very radical. But man, I mean, we, we see that. We, we, that's like our daily life. And part of that is because, right, we live in a different country and, right, they're very different culture. But you, you know what, guys? Part of our identity means that, that you guys actually live in a different country than your home country. Do you realize that? If you're an American, born in America, America is not your home country. The Bible says that your homeland, it says it right there in Hebrews chapter 11, that your homeland is the one that we're, we're waiting for. It's the coming country. We're still waiting for that. That's your home. That's your home. So I don't have a problem laying down my rights. Maybe I don't always want to. <laughs> it can be challenging. But as God's spirit dwells in me and as that marks my life, he gives me the power to lay down my rights for the sake of others entering God's kingdom. Not so that I can be comfortable, not so that I can live my life the way that maybe I want to. No. We're God's people. That's your identity. That's our identity. That should be what marks our lives as we follow, uh, follow him. So... Um, yeah, it's, there's a lot that, uh, that could be said. But, you know, I think it's worth you and I thinking about what is it that distinguishes my life? What is it? What is it? Um, and I mentioned a lot of different things, right? Our ethnicity or maybe political leanings or opinions or or whatnot, and there's a lot of things that we can invest our life in and our energy in. But we have to remember what our primary identity is. We really have to. Because people see it. People see it. And it'll either like push them away or it'll draw them in. You know, all of us have different mannerisms, right? And distinguishing traits about our life. And and by God's grace, all of us, you know, we're all messed up, okay? But by God's grace, he's changing us. And hopefully those things that distinguish God's people become those distinguishing marks, you know, in our, in our lives. Uh, so important. You know, one of the things that um, our family enjoys doing sometimes is, you know, we fly, you know, not super often, but, you know, frequently often, like internationally. So one of the things that we kind of, I don't know if it's a game or whatnot, but like we like in airports to like try to guess where people are from, okay? So me and my kids will sit there and, you know, you, we try to guess, you know, where, the, where people are from. And you, what do you do? You start look, looking for like distinguishing like factors, right? Or, or mannerisms. So a lot of times the first thing is you'll try to hear what language they're speaking, right? Kind of listen in. And if you know that language or you can kind of guess you know, you'll, you're like, oh, okay, you know, they're from here. Uh, then the next thing you know is you look at how they look, right? Their outward appearance, right? They can, you can try to kind of guess where someone's from, 
you know, by that. Or by, by the clothes uh, they wear. You know, a lot of different kind of brands or even styles of clothes will identify uh, where, where someone is from. Or even mannerisms, right? Like, if you have spent time maybe with different kinds of nationalities, you kind of start realizing that there's different mannerisms, right, uh, that they have. It's funny, our kids, you know, like especially our younger ones, you know, they've, uh, they actually don't remember any life besides Jordan because they were, you know, so young when they came uh, that they, you know, identify in some ways as, as Jordanians. But their mannerisms, it's funny for me to watch because I haven't, you know, adapted or integrated as much as they have. But it's just like because they're in school and all their friends and whatnot, their mannerisms are very uh, Jordanian. We were, I was telling somebody that, you know, we always enjoy coming, having time here every couple of years because we see family, you know. And so our kids, they love seeing their cousins. And uh, the other day we were out in the Midwest and one of our kids saw a cousin that they hadn't seen in years. And so they were really happy. And so he runs over and as he's, you know, really excited, he runs and he just slaps his cousin in the face, you know? And uh, my, the cousin is, like, shocked, you know? He's like, what the heck, you know? Like, why are you slapping me in the face? And then my, uh, and he starts kind of crying, you know, because he got slapped in the face. And then our, you know, our son, you know, he starts crying because he realizes, you know, and we actually kind of saw it right when he's, like, in full swing, and you're just like too late to turn back, he kind of realizes he's in America now, you know, and that's not how you like greet each other, you know, and, and whatnot. And so he's crying, you know, because he feels bad, you know, because he, he slapped his cousin. Uh, but it's just funny because, right, you have these mannerisms that you just kind of pick up. And uh, it just, it, all these things make me think about like, who are we? Right? I shared my story a little bit. Like, I'm, who am I? Who am I? Like, it, sometimes I've, I'm pretty confused about who I am, you know, my nationality or where I belong. But you know what? It gives me a sense of, like, belonging. And when I really know who I am and where my home is is when I remember that I'm part of God's people. I really do. And I want to encourage you guys with that, too. You know, I hope that some of the identifying factors or traits of your life that maybe are hindrances to the gospel, I hope that those things get shaken. I really do, you know? Uh, you know, I, I believe that some of the stuff that's going on in the world, especially the last couple of years with this COVID and stuff, I believe it's a gift to the, to the church. I believe it's a gift to you and I. Because Hebrews tells us that what we're part of a kingdom that what is unshakable, unshakable. But most of the world, most of the governments and kingdoms of the world have been shaken. They really have, in in ways that probably we wouldn't have thought possible four years ago, three years ago. And I think that's good for you and I. It's good. Because when what we find stability in is shaken, and if it's shakable, then we're shaken. But if what we find identity in and stability in can't be shaken, guess what? 
we won't be shaken. So, you know, there's, yeah, I don't know, just encourage you. I really want to encourage you to, to think about who am I? You know, what is my identity? What are my, the identifying like characteristics of my life? What are the mannerisms that people know me by? Right? What, what is the one thing that comes to the person's mind that I know, my friend who isn't a believer that, I, that I, we've building? Like, what is it that they think of me? What is it, right? Is that, oh, I, he identifies with this political party or these are his opinions. And the, or is it, man, he's a follower of Jesus, right? I mean, it, it's challenging, it's challenging. You know, what are, we, what are we projecting on people? What is the narrative of our life that people are reading? Um, so um, I just want to encourage you with that. What is, what is your identity? What is your identity? And uh, it can be okay to be confused about your identity. You know, a lot of, uh, you know, for those of you in, in college and whatnot, maybe that's going to be some of the stuff you go through. It's like, who am I? You know, like, what... What am I? And uh, I would say that if you can go and look at Scripture about who the people of God are, it might be. Hmm. I don't, it might be easier to uh, identify that way versus maybe some of the other identifying factors. Um, uh, anyways, I know that's not super clear, but um, if you, I'd love to talk more about that uh, with you. But I, I've just found that a lot of times, okay, I'll say this. This is the last thing I'm going to share. We live in the Middle East, okay? Dean is still awake. He hasn't fallen asleep, so I figure we're, we're okay. He's the most tired here, and he's still awake, so I still got a couple minutes left. You know, the Middle East, actually, I didn't know if you knew this, but Christianity was, was bigger in the Middle East than, it, than it's ever been uh, in the West, uh, historically. There's a great book, it's called The, La- the Lost History of Christianity, and it, it, it goes through that. You know, when we think of Christianity, we think of like, right, Jerusalem, and then we think of like Rome, maybe Constantinople, and then we think of like the Reformation and whatnot. But if you were to go east after Pentecost, the, the church was huge, huge. The first Christian nations, nations that identified as Christian were in the east. They weren't on this side of Jerusalem. It wasn't the west so it's really interesting because we come into contact with all these kinds of people. So like uh, when we were in Iraq for a bit, you know, we had Assyrians, right? You guys have maybe heard of Assyrians, Nineveh, right? <laughs> Jonah, the Assyrians. Well, the Assyrians today, they are a Christian people group. They've identified as Christian for, for millennia. And... Uh, so, you know, they, they, they see themselves as Christians. You know, if you go up into Syria, you have the Armenians, okay? It's, they're very interesting because they still speak, what, Armenian. They speak the language that Jesus spoke, Aramaic. Um, or uh, did I say Armenian? Ar, it's Aramean, not Armenian, Aramean. 
forgive me. So they've always identified as Christian. But then you have the people I was just talking about, the Armenians, and I'm sure you've heard of them. They were the, the people to first identify as a Christian nation, the Ar- country of, well, today the country of Armenia, but then it was the, the empire of Armenia. So Armenians, we have a lot of Armenian uh, friends. Uh, we Palestinians, I don't know if you knew this, but some of the biggest Palestinian tribes are Christian tribes. Uh, they're not Muslims, and they've always identified um, as Christians. So you, we have these people, uh, a lot of the Egyptians, right? You guys have heard of the, the Coptic, maybe, Egyptians. They've always uh, identified as Christians. Now, it's, it's interesting. The reason I bring this up, I'm headed somewhere, is that they've been Christian for centuries, centuries. Now, now, most of them are, are gone, they live in an extremely hostile environment, right, for Christianity. They, originally, they were in predominantly Christian environment. They were the majority, big time. Now, they're a tiny, tiny minority, okay? And it's been interesting for me as I've, I've talked with these people and if they've shared about their histories and then obviously, you know, reading and whatnot and... Uh, what it seemed like happened is these people started to hold on to like their national or ethnic identity more than, and that became their Christian like identity. So most of them, a lot of these people, they're not saved. Like they don't know Jesus. Okay. But they're Christian. They call themselves Christian. Uh, uh, A lot of them will even die. Like they're killed because they identify as Christian, but they don't know Jesus. It's crazy. Uh, But what happened is like this Christian identity became kind of like who they are nationally and it completely has, it's totally cut them off from reaching people. They they don't reach people at all, but they, they call themselves Christian. But how can, you, how can you be a Christian? I mean, it's fundamentally impossible biblically to be a Christian and not be loving and reaching your neighbor. It's impossible. You can't. There's, a, there's something not right there. So, and I thought, man, what a great thing for us to learn from them. You know, as the people of God, okay, we call ourselves Christian, but living in a place where, you know, things are becoming challenging, right? And, and what, what is it that identifies us? Is it d- just our nationality or our certain, yeah, like um, opinions about things? Or is it that, you know, we're the people of God? So they've been, they've like kind of cut themselves off. And it's very challenging for them. I'm not, I'm not saying it's easy, but they've cut themselves off because I think they lost their primary identity, as the people of God. They maintain their identity as Armenian, Aramean, Assyrian, maybe Palestinian, or whatnot, but they, they no longer are the people of God, which is interesting. Um, and I think it's a lesson for the Western church. I think it's a lesson for, for us, uh, the American church as well. So, let's pray. <laughs> Lord, thanks for today. Thank you for 
the opportunity to be here, to fellowship, to worship you. Thank you that we are your people. Man, God, what a privilege, what a humbling privilege that we are your people. And God, we need your help. We need your spirit to continue to make us more and more into your people, God. We need your presence with us. Lord, may we always be your people. May that be the thing that we're known by. Nothing else, God, but that that we're your people. And God, there's so many things that distract. There's so many uh, arguments or um, things that go on that can distract from that, Lord. May we just always go back to who are we? We're your people. And may we see those things that should characterize us as your people. So thank you, Lord. Bless this church. Thankful, Lord, for them. Uh, bless them as they seek to reach the community here. Lord, as they reach, they reach out to Manchester, Lord, and Concord and uh, the greater uh, southern New Hampshire, Lord, area. May you empower them. And uh, Lord, may each individual see you moving them toward their neighbor, God, and toward those who are outside of your people, outside of your kingdom. And God, give us your grace to just take everything out of the way that doesn't matter in your kingdom so that others might enter in. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.